Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to The Price of Football, the show that looks at the money behind the beautiful game with me, Kevin Day, and Liverpool University's Kieran McGuire. It's another of our special separate interview pods, Kieran, and I know you enjoyed doing this one before I do the big intro. Yeah, Mark. Mark was... uh... Absolutely fantastic. Uh, one of the most passionate people about football I've ever met. As I'm sure many of our listeners, Kieran, played as we did for Sunday League teams. Uh, and if you're anything like me, you moaned like a toddler when you were asked to carry the crossbar, wash the kit, or mark the six foot seven inch striker at corners. Uh, some, some people, however, were happy to do all those things and, and with remarkable success eventually. Kieran spoke to Mark Wyatt, who's the founder, chairman, manager and owner of Dorking Wanderers, about their remarkable rise to the National League. So, Mark, thanks so much for coming on the show. Um, Could you sort of start, for people that don't know, tell us a bit about yourself and and the town of Dorking, how you came together and, and how you got to where you are today? Well, you know, we, we just started the obligatory sort of pub side, really. And um, me and my friends, we were a little bit uh, disillusioned with following uh, Wimbledon around the country, spending a bit too much money. And, uh, yeah, we started what was a, akin to a pub team on a Saturday. And that was 23 years ago. Seemed like only yesterday, to be fair. We really missed those days as well, because it, it, it's certainly far removed from going to the pub and getting some sausage rolls and a beer afterwards. Um, but, yeah, so it's, it's developed um, exponentially, you could, you could say, really. On and off the field, unique story. Uh, we're proud of it. Uh, it's taken over our lives, and, and, and that's where we are today. And, and is it you and the same guys, or is it sort of some have dropped out and some have come back in, or, or how has it developed in terms of the personnel? Do you know what? Um Everybody who's ever been involved is still involved, but but, but yeah, largely in different capacities. Sometimes now, some of the original lads are up in the bar with their children watching the game outside, and it's really bizarre. There's one or two involved operationally, but most people have sort of come and gone. Uh, I'm the sort of um, the long-standing one, if you like. Um, But that said, there's people now that have been in the sort of stronghold of running it for eight to 10 years, but ever present, it's, it's just me day to day. 
And, and how many hours a week would you say it, it, it takes up of your life? Because your owner, your manager, your chairman, you, you seem to do everything. Um, it, it must be a, a huge demand of your time. Yeah, it is. It, it's obviously my, it takes over everything, really. Uh, I'm lucky to have really good people around me. I've had to build a great team in Dorking Wanderers as we've gone along. So, you know, from the manager point of view, we've got a really good coaching team and uh, analysis and, 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 and you know, um, scouting teams. Off the field, we've got, we've got a non-exec board. We've got a, a senior management team. We've got working committees. So I try to pull the strings, but I'm obviously involved heavily in everything. Um, I just feel like, for me, I, f- I feel like when the fire's not burning and uh, and I can look at the club and it's not moving forward or it could be it could move forward better without me, whether that's as a manager or chairman or owner, I feel like that's when I, I won't do it. I feel like my I'm the biggest fan of Dorking Wanderers there is. Yeah. Um, so for me, I feel like I want to... I definitely keep hold of the things I'm doing because I feel I'm best placed. And if I didn't, I would have no issue uh, passing them on. And and there is also an awful lot of responsibility that I'm not involved in and decisions that are taken outside of me now. So, but it's a big job. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's amazing. Absolutely incredible. Uh, Myself and Kevin, we've been thinking about trying to write a book about taking a football club from the parks to the Premier League, and then we read about your story, and we go, okay, Mark, okay, Mark's done the real thing. Yeah, he's 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 absolutely gazumped us. But what was there sort of ever a stage? You, you're going through all of these promotions, you're succeeding on the pitch. Was there ever sort of one day you woke up and said, this this isn't the giggle we started off? Yeah, when did you actually realise that this is this is very serious? And perhaps you know, did you did you have to sort of change the way that you approached your roles? Um, as a result of that? Yeah, I think kind of like, I mean, I've, it's, it's hard, it's great talking to someone who appreciates what it would have taken to do what we've done because it's so far fetched. (laughs) And to try and explain it to a a neutral, uh, uh, they might think you're making it up, but we've obviously gone from having zero commitments outside of, getting a kit sponsored by the pub to having to put a rope around a pitch to having to put concrete paths around the pitch to having to have the ability to have a pitch where we're allowed to do that to putting a stand floodlights changing rooms tea bars we've done everything every single thing that you can imagine needs doing we've done every single thing and i think it was more a case of when the demands uh, with with every promotion, there is a mandate to do more by the FA. Yeah, uh, which I understand. I think that that makes sense. Um, I actually think that the grading, the ground grading system, is is one of the only things that's not broken in the FA. It actually serves quite a good purpose. They always make sure your ground is probably two levels better than it needs to be. Yeah, um, and I think that actually that works really well. And it was as those demand if you like came in that all of a sudden we had to think on a Monday morning damn where are we going to get the money 
to pay for them floodlights. Um, oh, who's going to put the planning permission in? Who knows anything about planning permission? You know, I mean, so kind of like step step six, um, intermediate football, that, into senior football, step five, was when the most, uh, the, the most demand, if you like, on the ground grading kicked in. And that was when you started realising that if you were going to take it seriously, it was a different beast. Uh, yeah, by all accounts. Now, I mean, you, you sort of you hinted there that you you're not necessarily the FA's biggest fan. If 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 they said came to you and said, "Look, look Mark, we've seen what you've done. Um, we want you to take over." What what say three things would you do? Do you think you could improve the? Yeah, you because know, you've come from the the grassiest of grassroots. You know, you've come from park football all the way through to where you are today in the National League. What would say three things do you think that could really improve uh, how grassroots football operates in this country? Right. So the, the number one issue with grassroots football in this country that's predominantly got a lot of green space is the lack of land um, in terms of where you can do anything with it. Yeah. Um, so there's lots of there's lots of grass pitches, but they'll have covenants on them um they'll they'll have restrictions and i could probably list off a hundred clubs or teams uh there was a famous team in around um there was two clubs actually around dorking uh, one was called north homewood the other one was called select delta and they both got to uh, they both got to intermediate football and had to fold senior football because being able to attract funding means you need to have a security of tenure. And, you know, you can only get a security of tenure on the right type of land. And that is very difficult to achieve if it's owned by local authority. So I think that the big issue for me is that there needs to be a lot more collabs done with the football, the FA, all of the funding mechanisms behind the FA and local authority. So local authority need to be able to directly um, benefit, if you like, by the available funding in a way that they understand. So I can have a recreation pitch. So most councils have got huge amounts of land Hmm. that are earmarked only for recreational use. Um, in Dorking, I know of three sites that are overgrown. Uh, they are literally just dog walking areas, but they are earmarked for recreational use. They can never be uh, that can never be changed. And I'd like to see lo- the local authorities able to develop community facilities in a way that that benefits clubs. Um, on their land at the moment there's a disconnect there that's the problem and I've just recently um, I'm involved in the shortage of pitches in in Mole Valley which is the local authority where I live Um, there are a minimum of three pitches short uh, with the ladies game taking off as it is you could argue that the marketplace has doubled the demand has doubled and it's a big issue so first of all um, the access 
to true funding through um, local authority collabs is key in football. That's the first thing. Mm-hmm. And that's the largest thing by far. And I'll be honest with you. I don't think there's a shortage of volunteers. Yep. I don't think there's a shortage of passionate people. And if you, so if, if you ask this question to anybody, they would say it's the access to money and the access to land. That's the problem. Right. Yeah, cool. Brilliant. Um, I know I'm fucking waffling, mate. No, 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 she's great. <laughs> Carry no, on. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, mate. I'm quite passionate about this subject. So no, 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 this, I'm sorry this, I cut it down. No, no, no. It's, it's absolutely sound. sound. Um, in terms of, you know, dorking and, you know, you're now getting crowds of, you know, was it, is it 2,700? Is that your, your record this season against, was it Wrexham? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what do do you sometimes have to pinch yourself and, and think? Yeah, you know, when you started, uh, you know, when you effectively talk, did you sort of effectively take over from Dorking FC? But but how on earth did you you grow your fan base to get to this position where you must wake up a morning and go, I I can't believe that. Yeah, you, know, you, you look at this journey; it's absolutely incredible. So so what have, what do you you you've done? And, and also, what advice would you give to you know? There'll be lots of people listening to this show saying. Well, actually, why why can't we try to do the same as what Mark does? So what would you you say is has been your success uh, and and sort of the skills that you picked up and and you've used to grow that fan base? Well, obviously, yeah. To your point, we had zero fans, and now I when I drive through the high street, that it never fails to choke me up when I see the dad holding the kid's hand with the Wanderers shirts on walking to the game. Right, it is a phenomenal feeling. But actually, it's quite ironic because I was that little boy in Dorking, yeah. right? And I've tried to model it on what everything football stood for as we know it. So there'll be a huge generation out there, no doubt listeners of yours, that will resonate with the fact that their first football game was with their granddad or their dad, their mum maybe, and it was the, it was at their local football club. and that's what made them fall in love with the game. Mm-hmm. And one of the other things I remember as a kid was, and I still remember now, that Andy Bushnell was the best striker I thought on earth. He Great. played realistically. <laughs> realistically, his nickname was Bushy, and he's still about apparently. Now, realistically, Bushy um, was probably a, a, the equivalent of a step five striker. But when I was six years old, right, um, I thought Bushy was an absolute hero. And I, so creating role models and heroes and having that continuity in the football team is what we've always done. We've got players in our team that have been there at any given point, five to six years. So we're not a, you know, people say to me, oh, you're going to get new players in because you've been promoted. And, my thing is, well, no, we'll only ever do that sparingly because actually the journey is is on the field the continuity helps you for obvious reasons, yeah. but off the field massively. The sponsors, the fans, they love the fact that James McShane is in his seventh season um, and he joined us in step five and he's now the third top scorer in the National League as a central midfielder, right? That's they amazing. love that. They get that, right? And the kids... Love it too. So 
we've just tried to make the football club the hub of the community. Yeah. And obviously this is why um, we look at the famous examples and, you know, South End being one, um, you know, the, 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 the club, the football in the local area is, is all that matters. It's not, you know, it's not Dorking Wanderers, if you like, or South End. It's, it's the football activity at South End. It's football in Dorking. And I feel like that's what has to be preserved at all times, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, so what, you know, what we try to do is make sure that we engage the business community, we engage the everybody socially in what we do, and, and, and yeah, we, we really do play our part in, we feel like, you know, when the pandemic was on, we were the ones out there delivering food parcels and when the Marcus Rashford had his uh, school lunch campaign, you know, we, it's our role. We feel it's our role in the community. And we feel like if you get that right as a football club, then you get that back in bundles from the people. Yeah. They'll give you that back in return. They'll be your supporters. Brilliant. Yeah, because, because football clubs, I, I think football clubs have replaced the church in this country, especially at at local level. In, in that, that's that one that one place of you feel that you are all together, and you can have different views on this, that, and the other. But when it comes to your town and your football club, it, it is a bind, uh, and uh, it, it's a bond that that lasts for your life. And you're right. Yeah, get get them at. Get them young. Because I, I remember, you know, I, I support Brighton. And I remember when things were really bad for us. Um, I'm, I'm living in Manchester the last 40 years. I come down. I wouldn't see a single kid with a Brighton shirt. Yeah, they'd all be Manchester United, Liverpool and Chelsea. And, so, and I understood why. And it used to break my heart. And when things started to turn around, the, the biggest, most exciting thing that I see, I, I go into town these days and I see kids in, in, in the Brighton shirts. And, it, and I just fill up. I just think it's it's so wonderful because you, they they've now got that sense of identity from what you're saying as well. The the kids kids in Dorking that also that sense there must be a huge sense of community pride in in where you have come from. I mean, you've you've now moved to to this stadium at Meadowbank. How, how did you go about funding that? Because that must have been a, quite a big step up from a in terms of financial commitment. Yeah, well, well, yeah, it was massive, and and even as we stand here today, we need to develop uh, an away end. And, um, and and that's a big pressure as well. Yeah. There is a lot of pressure on us. I mean, what what's not helped us um, has obviously been the the amount of promotions we've had, because it just means the hurdles are so much greater um, each year and and so much more frequent. Um, we um, so as an example, our our we have over sixty sponsors. Six zero. Wow. And we, those sponsors are like family. We create a, an old-fashioned, if you like, a, a business partner network. So these guys mutually benefit from each other. Um, we get them together three, four times a year from a networking point of view. We entertain them at, um, at matches and all of their staff or their clients uh, they reciprocally benefit, as I say, from one another. And, you know, these are people that, you know, they, they, their support for us and, and their investment in us grows. And 
similar to, to the fan base. We just engage them and we try to make sure they mutually benefit. And, and we've lent on them um, in the last three, four years, especially in the pandemic. Uh, and we wouldn't be where we are without those supporters. Brilliant. Yeah. Well, that's so so good. And I think it's testament to what you've done in that you, you said you built up goodwill and you do that in the community and you do that in the business community. And it's it's a win-win. I mean, you, you, you've spoken about all of the success and, and you know, success, it, it, it comes with a price, you know, because you have to be effectively, presumably, looking two or three steps ahead. Just out of interest, have, have, have you got a copy of the EFL handbook, Mark? You know, have, you, have you seen – they, they kindly send me one, and uh, there's there's a lot of pages. Um, and I think if, if, you, if you took a look at that, um, it, it, it might cause you a few sleepless nights in, in terms of uh, you know, the next step up and the commitments there. Yeah, yeah, completely. I think it's, I mean, the, the, the Sussex County League handbook worried me when we was in the Park League. You know, I think our, our view is we we can only ever do what we can do. Um, we we work tirelessly um, and we hope, we hope that, um, we really do hope that we can find a way. We don't have um, a massive benefactor. We um, the directors put money into the business, um, but it's not significant now proportionately to to income. Probably, I'd say probably about ten fifteen percent. Um, so that's diminishing. Um, but but to your point, you need it's, you need a lot more than just income. You need mm. land, you need space, you need, you know, you need X thousand of this, X thousand of that. I think that one of the things is that I think what the EFL has to do, and I do believe, I do believe that they, they're probably becoming more open-minded. The EFL need to sort of allow their clubs to, to, to get closer to the modern world, if that makes sense. And when we talk about the artificial pitches and mm. how that can really help them clubs sustain themselves. Um, so I do think there's a lot of, um, a lot of sort of, what do you want to call it? Work to be done, maybe. Yeah. But EFL, if I look at League Two, League Two is closer to the National League, if that makes sense. Yep. Yeah then the championship is to the Premier League. You know, it's like, you know, it's, um, mm. I think it's quite a broad arena, the EFL. I think they need to take a view on their different leagues within their, within their sort of remit. Would, would you be in favour of three up, three down from the National League to, to League Two? Do you think that's a fair, a fair way of, yeah, because yeah, we, we look at the league table today and, uh, you know, the bottom two teams are Oldham and Scunthorpe, who who were both in League Two last season. Now, yeah, in my view, they've they've both suffered issues to do with ownership. But uh, as as they as they're quite as those owners are quite stroppy, or the old owners in, in some cases quite stroppy. I, I won't say anything more than that. But uh, if if you've got ownership, which is a problem, but you've got that that step up, yeah, the clubs that are going up, you know, you, you know Harrogate and Barrow who, who haven't been in, uh, in the EFL before and Sutton United, they all seem to, to manage to hold, hold their own. So 
making it easier for clubs to move up and down. Are you in favour of that? Or do you still think that that sort of romance of getting promoted to the EFL needs to be um, needs to be made scarce to keep it romantic? Do you know what? I, I, I'm a massive uh, advocate for um, promotion and relegation. I think the FA, one thing they, sh- again, I, I'm the first critic of the FA, but they should be applauded because isn't the playoff system fantastic? Mm. Yep. Right? I was speaking to some American um, uh, guys that want to want to invest in, in Dorking Wanderers and um, they said what we love most about English football is the pyramid. They said we don't have that in America. They said you don't know how lucky you are to have it. Um and I just feel like what promotion relegation gives is, to your point, is that fluid ability um, from both perspectives. And I just feel like there's no question that league uh, that the National League has become bottlenecked uh, with strong clubs. Yeah. And arguably, League Two, if you were to split them into the old-fashioned regional North and South, um, you, you wouldn't see any consistency with who's at the top or bottom yep. at all. Uh, there's nothing in it. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, um, do, do you, in in your own mind, have a have a ceiling in terms of you know, Dorking Wanderers? Because I I don't think there's a lot of difference between League Two and League One uh, myself. But do you think? Going, you know, presumably you'd have to go full time at some time, or are you now thinking of going full time that you're in the national league. Um, do you think that the EFL is realistic? Yeah, I think so. I think anything's realistic, really. Um, I, I just think we we don't, you know, we don't quite, we, we won't ever sell out if that makes sense. Yep. Um, so it's just really, I think if you look at it, if if you look at, you only need one example in, let's say, I don't know, League One, if you like, um, Fleetwood, are they League One? Yep, yep. Accrington as well. Accrington. You only need one example to show you what's achievable. I don't, 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 for me, I I don't look at the, I think if you've got a well-run club, if you live within your means, um, if you've got a great management structure and you know what you're doing, you know, you can compete. Um, you know, and I think we can compete for several years on that premise. I really do. I think we'll need to go full time. Um, it's definitely a full time job at this, at this level. But, um, I think that can be done on in this day and age. I've got to say, Kieran, the more and more I'm learning as I go along, I won't name names, but there, there are teams in the National League in our division. But our big clubs, mm. their wage bills are not high. They're not high. Their wage bills are very reasonable because there's a lot of young pros now that, you know, see it as maybe a stepping stone to step into the National League. They'll play for money that's potentially less money than the season pro that's in the National League. You know? And I see clubs now that are, that are becoming wise to that. So I feel like it's doable. Mm. <laughs> 
Hi, I'm Steve Lamack, and every week I'm joined by Music Allies Head of Insight, Stuart Dredge, on The Price of Music, the weekly podcast all about the money behind the music industry. In each episode, we discuss the very latest goings-on in the music business and dig into the finances behind the big stories. So whether you're a music lover who just wants to know more about what really goes on in the industry, or you're an aspiring musician, manager or label owner who wants some inside knowledge on how Spotify's financial model really works, or what the future holds for independent live music venues, this is a show for you. Subscribe to The Price of Music in your podcast app now. See you soon. You're the owner, you're the chairman, you're the manager. What happens when the manager comes to you and says, I need more money for a new centre forward? (laughs) Then I go to a commercial lady who's full time and I go to my business partner and I say, can I please get a new centre forward? Uh, Literally, that's what I do. Um, But luckily, you know what, though? It's a great question because... If you think about it, there's a real benefit, isn't there? Because I've got one eye on the numbers all the time, I can easily say to myself, well, you know what? If we're trying to consolidate this season, you know, Mark, maybe you don't want to bother with that one. Whereas a lot of other managers are always trying to bleed the club dry and I don't blame them to make sure they're successful, as successful as they can be. Whereas I don't have that pressure, nor the club. Brilliant, brilliant. And just just one final one. You've, you've, you've made this incredible success. Is there is there any one promotion that you value above all of the others looking back at your achievements to date with Dorking? Oh, that's not the best question ever. <laughs> um, the one I value, well, uh, there's two actually, sorry. That's all good. Um, and for footballing reasons, really, um, just because we... Um, uh, we but we 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 finished joint. I call it joint champions. Um, one season in the in the Ishmael League Division One, we finished on a hundred and fifteen points and didn't win the league. Jesus Christ! Right, we it's a hun- us and Tooting and Mitcham both had hundred and fifteen points. We played each other on the last day of the season in a bizarre scenario where we had to catch up something like six goals or, or seven goals difference, and you had to work out that goals counted double in a goal-different situation. <laughs> if we scored one, it meant it, it was as good as two, and it was yep. crazy. Anyway, we come runners-up, right? And I remember being in the changing room, and we, 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 we finished something like 28 points clear of third, right? Yeah, brilliant. Yep. We're in the playoffs on the Tuesday night. And I remember thinking, um, this is not easy picking this lot up because I'm, I'm not feeling great either. Anyway, mm. we um we was out on our legs for the season and we were so disjointed. We won a penalty shootout uh, on the Tuesday night. And then we won a uh, uh, in the final against Corinthian Casuals. We were, if we'd have gotten beaten 5-0, it, it would have been fair. We were terrible. Our goalkeeper, who had been with us six years, um, and he epitomised the club, um, you know, never got paid a penny, then ended up getting 20 quid, 50 quid, 100 quid. And um, he saved three out of five penalties in the in the penalty shootout. 
And that was fitting because it was like he was the hero and that was how we build our club around these real heroes that have been there a long time. Yep. Um, and then just quickly, the National South last year, five seconds on the clock. You couldn't mm-hmm. write it. Uh, phenomenal. We're, we're out. We're done. You know, the fans are walking up the high street. Five seconds to go. We equalise. You know, cue grown men, <laughs> women and children <laughs> that don't know each other, jumping on each other. You know, tears of joy. We get a winner during extra time. The most phenomenal experience ever, really. So yeah, we've had we're very fortunate to have, to have experienced it. And of course, when you have those days, the fans they they get the bug, don't they? As well. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, what people people say to me that, that don't understand I me. Mean, I I I commute. Two hundred miles to work just so I can live near my football club. And football fans don't understand it. I say, I say to them, what else in life makes you hug strangers? And and that's why I love football. You know, it it, it does give that the, the the top ten moments of my life. Six six of them involve football, and and I can't think of anything else that gives you that joy. Mark, it, it's been an honour and, and a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, good luck to Dorking for the rest of the season. I'm, I'm going to try and get down for a game. Uh, sometime because uh, because I, 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 just, I just like watching football uh, and, and your, yeah, your story is brilliant. Yeah, no, give me a shout. I really appreciate being asked on and, and yeah, 100%, give me a shout and, and we'll look after you when you come down. Cheers, mate. Thanks very much. Bye-bye. Thanks, Kieran. Cheers, mate. Football needs more people like him, in it, Kieran, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. He, he's absolutely inspirational. Uh, the enthusiasm he has, uh, yeah, by only his own admission, he he works crazy hours. But uh, yeah, he was talking about the the pride he gets in in going in town on on a match day and and seeing little kids with Dorking shirts on. And, and yeah. you know that that it, for 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 a bloke who who has to make pretty harsh decisions, you know, he's he, he's blubbering. You know, he, he's 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 filling up when he sees things like that and. Uh, amazing guy, fair play to him, and, and good luck for the continued rise of Dorking. Yeah, he he needs to um, he needs to start sharing jobs around a little bit. Though. I mean, I've only got one job on this pod, and I quite often bugger that up. So he needs to learn a bit of delegation. It's a great story, Kieran, as well, and I can't stress enough to people who aren't from the area that Dorking it's not a football town. Surrey's not necessarily a football county. Uh, Crystal Palace, notwithstanding. It's it's a it's a it's a lovely little place, but for him to establish a team, and it looks like they will be established in the national league in a town like is is brilliant. It's it's fantastic. I I I I love reading about him, and I love listening to him. So well done for that great interview. Just a reminder to everybody that our next live show, which I think you know by now, was due to take place at Plymouth Argyle's home park next Tuesday, the thirteenth of December, will now take place on the twenty first of March next year. We hope you can join us on that new date if you have a ticket. If you don't, you will be able to get a full refund. Also, the first ever Price of Football replica shirt is now available to pre-order, available in adult, kids, and pod presenter sizes, and all the profits we make will be going to a good cause. You can go to priceoffootball.com or our social media pages uh, to find out. <laughs> still, I can't not giggle every time I say it, our online store. Thank you to everyone who's donated to the pod via our Patreon page. If you'd like to make a small monthly contribution to the pod as well, go to patreon.com slash price of football. 
And if you have a question you'd like answered on our regular questions pod show, email us at questions at priceoffootball.com. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye. The Price of Football. Buy some football.